Welcome to the City Life Lansing podcast. We hope this message empowers you to love life, love Jesus, love people, and dream more. You can connect with us at citylifelansing.com. You belong here. is all about health for us, getting ready to see clearly in 2020. I know each one of us have dreams and we want to see those clearly. God, what do you want? But God is most interested in the inside work more than where he's going to take us outside. We pray oftentimes like, God, enlarge my territory. But God, hey, discipline me and convict my heart is not a prayer we normally pray. But that's what he loves to do is give freedom on the inside because he knows if he does his best work in here, doesn't matter what's happening out here. And th- we've committed as a people to say, whom the sun set free is free indeed, and we want to live free. Because Satan loves to say, look, go back to your old life. And he wants to, us to feel heavy and to be bombarded with, with the pain and the issues and the mistakes and the shame. But God wants to set us free that Today, we remember that we are loved. Today, we remember that we have hope. Today, we remember that we have joy, forgiveness, mercy, peace, patience, endurance, long-suffering, because we're free. So we're saying that, and we're continuing in one of the areas that not only is, uh, I mean, it's tough to talk about, especially in church, because it's been abused and misled and misrepresented, and, and that's in the area of finances. But God speaks about money often. In fact, there's roughly like 500 verses on faith, but there's over 2,000 verses on money and possessions. So I won't steal the thunder because Pastor Bodie does an amazing job unpacking this today. And I get to introduce our speaker who's here from West Philadelphia. And getting to know you has been one of the joys of my life because the posture you bring to any room is that of a student. You're always learning. In fact, when I was out in Philadelphia, you pastoring a church, but you're also working your job full-time. And going to your job full-time and pastoring a church, whoa, bivocational is real life in ministry. And I was only there for a little bit of a window, but you were like, hey, can I show up at the Airbnb? We were at North Philly over by the Temple University. I'll get there early, and I just want to ask you some questions. And that was so cool. You come, you have a list of questions, a few phone calls. You've always had the same thing. So every time I've been around, you've been asking me questions. So I'm like, what in the world? You know, and it almost feels like, what do I have, what do I have to offer? And he's just, you're so good at it. But yesterday, the roles got to be reversed, and I got to sit under you and listen to your teaching. And it was so cool because you carried a, a, an impartation of humility unlike anyone I've ever sat under. And you taught the interns, but you taught me. I wept hearing your story from Nigeria. And as you said it, coming from a privileged home in Nigeria because your family had resources. And you had a dream to plant a church in America. And you then win the green card lottery and 
go to college in America and your dad pays for the school, but you decide, hey, that's not for me. I got to get closer to ministry and I'm fast forwarding the story. But in short, you're serving at a church. They see you serving and they ask if you want a job and you're thinking, oh, it's finally going to come true. I'm going to be the pastor. I'm going to do, I'm ready. And then they ask you to be the janitor. And you said yes. And you said that that's where God taught you faithfulness. And as you worshiped cleaning the throne, at the throne, worshiped around the throne for years and years and years, and that led to greater influence and leading teams in the church, and then eventually led to planting a church. And you know, a lot of times we want the glory, but we don't want the story. That's 20-something years. And sitting under that yesterday was just so awesome. Your wife... Keisha and your five children are amazing. They pastor Transformed Church in West Philadelphia, and they're our sister church because we got the same parents. We've both been planted by City Life Philly. So give a warm, come on, City Life introduction to Pastor Bodie this morning. Come on, can we give uh, Jerome and Crystal uh, your pastors a hand clap this morning? Come on, let's honor our pastors this morning. Um, yeah, come on, give them a shout out. Let them know how much you appreciate them. They are, uh, they are incredible people. Grab a seat this morning. Um, I walked in here yesterday morning, and the first thing that hit me was, wow, there is so much life in this church. On a Saturday morning, seeing the team hustling around and the prayer crew and the setup crew, and just, wow, there is so much life. And that comes from great leadership, a man and woman of God who are in tune with God and are committed to giving birth to a life-giving church. So, Jerome, I honor you. I celebrate you. You are one of my heroes. I watch you. We imitate you. We, we are trying to figure out what you're doing. Come on, so we can do the same thing. We want the same Kool-Aid, somebody. And uh, I, heard, I heard that the water in Michigan is pretty good. <laughs> oh, 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 West Philadelphia. Born and raised in the playground is... All right, so... <laughs> but uh, I love you guys. I love you. Uh, I love your heart. I love your authenticity of life. Uh, what, what I see is what I get. And it's real and it's good. Um, so I honor you. My wife and I, Keisha, we're so glad to be here with you guys and... I believe that God is doing something amazing here at this church, and, uh, and, and, uh, and we're glad to be a part of it. Last night, we got to hang out with uh, Jerome and his family eating Chipotle. Come on, somebody. And, uh, and then, uh, I'm, come on, I'm African. Any, any immigrants in the house? We're all immigrants because we're going up to heaven, right? Come on, we don't belong here. Come on, that's, that's right, that's right. And so we got to hang out with, um, uh, and Africans, Africans pride themselves on, you know, Nigerians. We, we, can, we can consume some hot food. Like, bring it on. Chinese, Japanese, Mexican, American, whatever. We got it. We got it, man. And so Crystal pulled out this golden bottle of liquid. Liquid, liquid fire. Liquid dragon breath. And I'm like, yeah, man, Lansing. I'm, like, I'm Nigerian, West Philly. That ain't nothing for my tongue. And I'm just dunking it on there. And then she brings out the, the ghost pepper chips. And I'm like, yeah, eat that too. And I, I took a spoon, I, I used the chip to scoop the rice and the pepper and the ghost fire hell sauce. And I took, a, I took a bite and like all of hell popped into my mouth at once, like at one time. And pastor is talking to me, all I'm seeing is flames, just flames, like fire. Am I in hell, God? What did I do wrong? I re I'm sorry, I repent. <laughs> Give me milk, is there milk in hell? <laughs> 
Got milk? <laughs> uh, and so, uh, wow, that was real, but yeah, I love you guys, and it's really, really cool to be here. Uh, we have, look, we have five kids. Uh, my wife and I love our kids, but it's, we love making the kids more, a little more. And so, and so uh, if there's any kids in here, I'm sorry. Your parents will explain that joke to you later, much later in life, uh, when it's appropriate. So, um, but yeah, I want, I want, let's begin and get into God's word. I feel like my, my assignment, I like to talk to God. As a pastor, I think you should talk to God uh, once in a while and, and ask him, you know, kind of what, what it is I'm coming to share. What's your heart? Uh, been, been watching and listening to the series. I'm free. Uh, free to give. Powerful. Listen to Jerome on the podcast and kind of want to get the heart. And I feel like the assignment that God's given me the next 20, 25 minutes this morning is, is to lead us all in a heart check. In a heart check. Go ahead and point at your heart. Come on, can you, all together tap your heart. Tap your heart and, and say it with me, if I let God win here, come on, say it with confidence, uh, with conviction. If I let God win here, then he will make me win everywhere else. God is after our heart. And Pastor mentioned this morning the tension, that, that why, why talking about money is so difficult. Because for every single one of us in this room, money is personal. You know, how we spend it, how we earn it, how we save it, the plans we have for it, and it's personal. And I think that's why Jesus communicated so much about money. Not because he wanted your money or he needs your money, but because he, wanted, he wants what your money is attached to, what it represents, which is your heart and your life and your goals and your dreams and your ambitions. He wants everything. He wants to be king of all or he's not king of all, king at all. I, I wrote this down, this quote. Uh, Jesus said more about money uh, than any other single thing because when it comes to a man's real nature, who you really are when no one's looking, come on, when we take off church face and, and, and put down our church clothes, come on, and, and put away our church sneakers, who we really are, money is of first importance and that's not wrong. You know, resourcing, God put us, Genesis chapter, uh, creation, God put man in the garden and said, steward it, all these resources, take care of it. That's our, that's, that, that's who, that's who, we're wired for that. But, but we've sinned and the enemy has twisted. We're wired to steward, not to consume for ourselves. It's so that money is an exact index. It doesn't lie, how you treat, how you, how you handle money. Reverend Billy Graham, an awesome man of God, he said, if you want to know what a man's really about, you know, uh, don't look at his, his Google or Instagram or whatever. Look at his credit card receipts. Money is an exact index to a man's true character. All through scripture, there's an intimate correlation between the development of a man's character and how he handles money. Can I share three quick thoughts with you about money uh, from, that, that are important for us to understand? Number one, can we agree this morning that God doesn't need our money? Come on, the earth is his. The cattle of a thousand hills. Come on, the earth, the silver and the gold, the sun, the stars. He spun creation into existence with word, with one, with one word after the other. Can we agree that God doesn't and need our money. We get to, I love our pastors, we get to give. We don't have to give. We get to participate in the story, in the greatest story ever told, in the greatest story in the universe. What God really wants is what our hearts, what our monies are attached to, which is our hearts. Number two, money, uh, and we're going to see in Matthew chapter 6, money, money is like a magnet, like a heart magnet. What do I mean? Wherever your, wherever your money is, your heart is right there. I bet you every single one in this room right now, you can tell me where your money, what bank your money is in. Right? If I ask you what bank your money, you tell me where it is, the address, you know exactly how to get there. 
If you have savings, you know, you, you know where they are. You know how much you I mean, you know because it's important. Come on, somebody. The third thing about money is God's not against us. God doesn't, God's not against us having it. Come on, somebody. Wealth. It's okay to have wealth. It's okay to be wealthy. It's not, not, it's not a sin. Nothing wrong with that. What God is concerned about is where we store it up at. Matthew chapter 6, don't store up treasure here on earth. Here on earth. Where moths eat them and rust destroys them. You can't take it with you. You can't take it. He wants you to have it, but you can't. If it's all locked up here, you can't take it with you. Where thieves break in and steal. The thief comes to steal, kill, destroy, John 10, 10. Store up your, he tells us where, the bank of heaven. Store up your treasure in heaven where moths and rocks cannot destroy, where thieves do not break in and steal. Wherever your treasure is, there the desires of your heart will be. Money is a magnet. It's a heart magnet. It's a soul magnet. This is why he spent, he, spent, he communicated so much and God's word is so full about teaching on money. Not because of, but because where your treasure is, that's where your focus is going to be. That's the direction of your life. Then he says, no one, he goes further. He jumps down to verse 24. No one can serve two masters. It's not possible. You will hate one and love the other or you will be devoted to one and, and despise the other. You can't serve God and be a slave to money. We have to make a choice. We got to say, listen, I'm going to be about my father's business. I'm going to prioritize what he wants. I'm going to live kingdom first. I'm going to love his church, his bride, his people. I'm going to, I'm going to devote myself to this. And I think most of us get that. We understand when we read, as we come to Christ, we, 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 we get this. As we, as, we, as we interact with God and we see his majesty and we see his glory, man. Man, we, he's, we know, come on, he's worthy to be praised. Can I get one amen on that? Come on, we know that he's almighty. We know, come on, he's majestic. But somewhere between there and our hearts, there's a tension that exists. We, I mean, we want to give. We, I mean, this is what we want to do, but it's hard. Come on, can, can I get one amen? It, it can be, when you, especially when you first start following God. You mean God wants me to do, give 10%? You mean, you mean God wants me, but why, why do I need? It, it's, it's hard. I mean, it can be difficult. The Apostle Paul unpacked this tension for us in 2 Corinthians chapter 9, verse 6 through 13. And this is an amazing text of how to give and cheerful giving. But he's also, there's also a tension here. Uh, if you know anything about the Corinthian church, and Paul wrote two books, two letters to them, they were like his problem child. You know, like the black sheep of all his churches. I mean, issue after issue, and he's writing, and he's writing with a heart of love, to correct, to love, to say, hey, hey if, you, if you do it this way, you're going to have better results. Come on, if you just change your perspective, if you just change your approach to God and, 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 and listen to what I'm teaching you, that's the work of a good pastor. We all come into Christ with issues and baggage and drama, but a good pastor like the one you have here, his job is to unpack and show you and say, hey, listen, you, 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 you are free to give. You're not, you don't have to be sick or poor or oppressed. Or, or this grace of available to you if you listen to what I'm saying to you. So Paul's approaching the Corinthians from that perspective. And so what, what had happened was, that's how we say it in West Philly, what had happened was, in this, in, this, in, in, this, in this context was, at this present time, there was a real famine, a need, like need, like need in Jerusalem, uh, with the headquarters of the church, and they didn't have what, they, they, they needed some money, I mean, they, they needed a few love the city trucks, Come on, needed some, some, just some, 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 some stuff. And so Paul and disciples, uh, he wrote out to his people, his, his church, and said, listen, here's the need, here's the situation. Uh, talk, uh, let, talk to God, and whatever God tells you to do, do that. And the Corinthian church, yeah, they, they said, yeah, 
And they, they, they communicated. Paul being Paul, he begins to brag about them. Oh, the Corinthians is going to do this and that. But when he came down to it, when the rubber met the road, they didn't do anything. They were waffling on their commitment. And I don't think it's just because, because they didn't want to. I think because the reality that you all of us face is that it can be hard. Life, come on, hashtag the struggle is real, somebody. Come on, we all got bills, not just dollar bills, we just got bills. We'll have the dollar in front of it, just bills, bills, bills. And Bill got cousins called bills, and nephews called bills. And I, we all, I, mean, we all, I mean, life is happening real fast. But yet, I'm free to give. But yet, I'm, I, don't, I don't have enough. And Paul begins to unpack this tension. And in his letter and his writing, especially in, in, in this verse, in this, in, in this passage, he begins to unpack. And so I want to unpack, I want to unpack uh, uh, some thoughts, a few thoughts with us this morning, 15 minutes or so. And here's what I want you to do right now in your seat. Just open your hands, palms up, stretch your mind, take a posture. The posture matters before God. Your heart, let your physical body reflect the internal posture of your heart. You know, if, even though your world is not right, if your posture is right, eventually your, your, your world will sink up too because God is, God is there. And so I want to just take, just position you, say, God, show me something, work in my heart in the next 10, 15 minutes. Help me understand. Help me process this tension that's there. So here's the first thought. Why maybe it's difficult, the heart issues that prevent us from giving and, and, and walking in the freedom that we have. Here's the first thing. Embrace the pain. What do I mean? I love how Paul in verse 6, he uses verse, the first line, but remember this. A farmer who plants only a few seeds will get a small crop, but the one who plants generously will get a generous crop. You must each decide in your, come on, where? In your heart. Say it again. Where, how much you will give. And don't give, because here's why, here's why the heart, because God doesn't process with your mind. He processes with your heart. He speaks to your heart. He speaks to your soul. And if your mind is in alignment, it will, it, will, it will agree and push it forward. If your mind is stuck in past and wrong thinking, it will suppress it. It will, it will say, no, 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 no. Fear will come in. You know, a, a doubt will come in. No, no, no you, 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 you can't give. But, 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 but what I want to talk about here is the picture that Paul uses about a farmer. Because we, we, we have the assumption that, that pain, whenever, whenever pain or discomfort shows up, it's because something is wrong and we shouldn't do it and we back away from it. But what if the, th the place of pain is the place where God actually wants to do his best work? What if pain is actually proof that you are actually obeying God? I love the f farmers. I, I saw an article by, um, I don't know how you feel about this college, Ohio State. You might not want to believe this research because you're in Michigan, uh, Buckeye State. But uh, according to them, this, 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 this article, the, the, the occupation with the most physical ailments, back pain, knee pain, neck, neck pain, is our farmers. Because farmers, it's, it's hard work to farm. It's just hard. Paul said, listen, I know it's hard. But that's where your victory lies. It's hard when you start. Farmers, especially when it comes to sowing, sowing planting seeds. To get the seed in. They got to dig the soil. They got to break up the soil. They got to get the rocks out of the soil. They got to irrigate the soil. They got to fertilize the soil. It's not about the seed. It's about the soil. It's not about the seed. It's about the soil. You get this. And the farmer understands if the seed, the soil is right, and they put the seed in, the harvest will follow in due course. How many know that Jesus said that the soil is our heart? 
and the seed is his word. It's not the money, it's, it's, it's the instruction to give money. Whatever you have, whatever it is, whatever is in, in your capacity, your ability, whatever is in your, in, your, in your reach to give. It's hard. Paul's acknowledging that. But what do we do? We, 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 we change our view on that and say, hey, listen, this is not, it's not wrong. It doesn't feel right, but it's not wrong. It's, it's what it's supposed to do. I should be given. I am free to give. It takes a while. Pain. Like a woman giving birth to a child. When she gives birth, it's painful. It's a struggle. When the child comes out, it's all gravy. It's amazing. It's beautiful. Embrace the pain. I love David, King David, the psalmist, the warrior, the king, the poet, the rapper. I think King David was also a rapper. Read his psalms. But he says something that's profound. He embraced the pain of giving. In uh, 2 Samuel, I think, 2.24, he says, I will not offer God anything that doesn't cost me something. That's a powerful truth. I mean, he had an opportunity to, to just to, like, go to church and not give offering. I mean, that was the, 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 the kind of the, the modern-day picture. But he said, no, 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 no. I know, I know, I know how to get a harvest. I, I know the value of pain. I'm not going to offer God something that doesn't cost me anything. Pain is not all bad. It's not all bad. My second point is this. Be content. Content is not a dirty word. Culture will tell you, you know, you got to be ambitious. You got to have dreams. You got to go, go, go. The rat race. My dad told me, he said, listen, when you get to America, man, have a dream, have a plan. Be ambitious. Go, 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 go. Never be satisfied with anything. I love that song. What's that song they sang? You're the only one. Come on, that what? Come on, you're the only one. Fills me up. And God will generously provide all that you need. Say, listen, listen, I know. It's a rat race. I know you, but be satisfied with God. Have this picture of contentedness, contentedness with God. God's everything that you need. Can I tell you that the secret to a generous lifestyle is not having a bigger paycheck, it's being content with what you have. Let me say it again. And how to get healthy financially is not a bigger paycheck or a second job or a third job or a fourth job long, long term. It's being content with what you have. Let me give you an illustration. A few weeks ago, months ago, uh, I was in a coffee shop. You know, I'm portable church. We don't have an office. My office is Starbucks. Help me, Jesus. Help me, Jesus. You know, then my daughter got a job at Starbucks. And I'm like, yes, Jesus. Because we started getting free stuff. Oops, don't, don't tell nobody that. I don't want her to come get her. Um, but I'm sitting in this coffee shop, and this pastor slash businessman who knows me, we have a slight, I mean, we've, I've met him a couple times. He comes by, hey, buddy, how you doing? We high five. He leaves. He comes back again. Half an hour later, he's out of breath. He's breathing heavy. He said, buddy, pastor, buddy, you know, I'm sorry. God told me to do this. And he gave me a check for $1,000. Come on, somebody. <laughs> Woo. Yeah, don't, don't get jealous. Don't hate the player, hate the games, the how it's backwards, which is how it is. Um, I'm, so, and right away, come on, how many know I had a list of things I wanted to get? Check, 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 check. New pair of J's and new sneakers and new this. And, 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 and as I'm making my list, I, I, didn't, I didn't even call my wife yet. That's how bad it was. I'd be like, money? What money, babe? I found these new Air Force Ones on the street, and I just picked them up. And so, and I'm making my list of things, and the Holy Spirit, like, pause, stop. And he showed me, a, and he showed, he kind of like, you know how sometimes the Holy Spirit just gets all in your, in your business? And he just shows me, and everything I'm planning to do, 
And I realize it's stuff that I already have. It's just more of what I already have. It's just another pair of sneakers, another blazer, another, it's just another of what I already have. Whereas if I was content with who I am in Jesus, and who, I'm full, content means, biblically content means to be full and satisfied with the sufficiency of God. God's all I have and God's all I need. I have the grace of God. I can go in any situation and prosper because God is with me. If God be for me, who in the world can be against me? Paul said, I've learned in any, Paul said, listen, I've learned in any, hold on, in every, in every, everywhere I find myself, I learn in every state how to be content. Because my sufficiency doesn't come from my circumstance, it comes from my obedience to God. See, here I am. God's given me a, God's given me a resource. And I'm blowing it on myself because I'm not, I'm not, I'm not, I'm not, I'm not settled in my soul. Contentedness. Now, if I'm contented, if I was content, content, just, man, I'm good. Don't care who says I don't look good. I look good. Doesn't matter how old my J's are. I still look good. I bounce in them. Because it's not the J that bounces in me. It's Jesus bouncing in me. You know, it doesn't matter how worn out my skinny jeans are. I'm gonna, gonna stretch them out because God makes me skinny on the inside. It's a different mindset. It's contentedness. I mean, con- to people who are not content, that, that, that mindset is scary because they can't control you or manipulate you or use you because then there's no, there's no, this is not there, that influence. It's giving. You're going. You're, you're, you're releasing. You're not trying to get anything from that person. Be content. Paul says in Timothy, but godliness is actually a source of great gain when accompanied by the contentment, by contentment, and he defines it, that contentment which comes from a sense of inner confidence based on the sufficiency of God. We're talking about a heart check. How's your heart? That picture you carry about, about yourself. Is it a whole picture? Or is it like, man, I need, I need to have that. I need to get this. I need that guy. I need that man. I, 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 how's your heart? How's the picture that you're carrying about in you? Is it a picture of God? Amazing and glorious and faithful? Or is it something that is only broken? Speak me to my last point this morning. Have the band come up and just lay down some atmosphere music. And um, change your perspective. Perspective is how you see. How you see something. How you see God, how you see your wife, how you see your kids, how you see your job, how you see yourself. And the rule of perspective is if you see it wrong, you're going to live it wrong or use it wrong. Right? If, if you have the wrong perspective of, of a thing, abuse is inevitable. I think many of us carry a, a diminished, distorted picture of God because that's what the enemy of our souls wants to happen. That's what he does. He wants us to look at God and not see him the way he should. Paul writes and says, the God of this world blinds our minds so that we don't believe in God who really is. If we could just really see who God is, if we could just really see who we are, then we will know, hey, there's nothing holding me back anymore. I am free to give. You know, as a young person, uh, I used to love watching circus. I don't know where you stand on that. Um, But I love watching circus, circus acts. And one of my most fascinating things to me about circus when I was watching overseas, American circus, beautiful circus. But the, the thing that, that got me was 
how can this giant elephant, I love the elephant, you know, with its trunk and its tusk and it's massive. Have you ever, ever been to a zoo or safari and stood near an elephant? I mean, it's intimidating. And elephants are also very intelligent beings there. They mean, they live long, they have great just family things they do. And then, but I wondered, how could an elephant be, you know, there'll be no cage, nothing. How could an elephant be controlled by the ringmaster? Sometimes the ringmaster is like a really tiny person and they'll wave their hand and the elephant will jump over here. I mean, you see an elephant, an elephant begin to do, an elephant does inconvenient things like, like me jumping on this speaker right now. And, and bouncing on my head. Now, that's what, that's, those are the kind of tricks that elephants were trained that they were not designed to do. But they were, they were, they were being controlled by this little tiny ringmaster. Until I saw a documentary about how elephants are raised to submit in Thailand. And in Thailand, they have this process called, it's literally called, literally, 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 my English is not perfect, people. Help my grammar. Uh, no, it's actually pretty perfect, but <laughs> okay, all right. I want to say, but I won't say anything because I'm a good person. Um, training crush. They literally what they do is the technique they use to make an elephant submit to a human. It's very inhumane. It's barbaric. It's horrible. It's terrible. And they can't do it to a fully grown wild elephant, so they capture them as babies and snatch them from their mother before the mother can impart identity to it. And they, as a baby elephant, put heavy chains and heavy you know, things to make it feel the weight of the power of the man. And they use pain and shock and electric and beat the thing. And what they literally do is that they crush the spirit of the, of the elephant. And so that as, as the elephant keeps growing, it's growing, it's growing, it's getting bigger and bigger and bigger and bigger. It's getting bigger on the outside. It's free at any point in time to crush its master. Come on, it's free to run, it's free to live, free to give. But in the elephant's mind, it always sees his or her master as bigger than them. Even though everyone else is like, wow, you're free. Free to run. And when I saw that, Illustration, the Holy Spirit gave me an equivalent to humanity. The enemy will use our experience, our pain, misinform our pain. He will use our shame, our abuse, people, lies to crush our view of ourselves and distort our view of God. And because we don't see God the way he sees him, the way he is, and we never see ourselves the way we, we God sees and God says that we are free to give, we never run over the enemy and put him in his place. And we wind up living captive lives of self-focus, self-preservation, wrong identity, pain, and woe is me. When all the while God is saying, you're, you're made in my image, you're my son, and you're my daughter, and I set you free at the cross. And when I set you free, he who the son sets free is free in every part of your life. You're physically free, you're mentally free, you're emotionally free. Come on, somebody, you even have the right to be financially free and live a life of freedom and glory and grace. I love what Paul said, he says, for God, he's painting a new picture to them. For God is the one who provides seed for the farmer and then bread to eat. He can, he can, he can, you can give it away and God provides for you. Come on, in the same way, he'll provide and increase your resource 
and then produce a great harvest of generosity in you, meaning you're free to give. Verse 11, and yes, come on, somebody say yes. You will be enriched in every way so that Here's why. Here's why you're free. So you can be generous. You can be free to give. And when we take your gifts to those who need them, I love this picture. They will thank God. So two good things we saw from this ministry of giving. The needs of believers will be met and they will joyfully express thanks to God. I'm wrapping up two things that you, two perspective shift you got to have. You got to see, or three, you got to see God for who he is faithful good loving you got to see yourself for who you are a child of the living God with nothing binding you nothing limiting you anointed and full of grace and you got to see your 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 gift not as an obligation but as an opportunity to impact the lives of people here in your city and around the world I thank God for people like Jerome and just like this one that are free to give because without people like this and churches like ours in Philadelphia would not exist. We get to participate in the story of human redemption. This is how I want to end this morning. I want to pray with you because this is all of, this is all of our struggles. All of us are dealing with this. God's always pushing the envelope on, our, on what he wants us to do because he wants more of us, not less of us. Come on, God wants more influence in our hearts, not less. Come on, somebody. Can I say this to you? When what you have is not what you, what you want, what you need is not less of God, it's more of God. And we can obey God and follow Him. But, uh, let's come down to a little bit. But um, the Apostle Paul, as he was setting up this letter to the Corinthians, he said to them in chapter 8 and verse 7, he said, he calls generosity of being free to give. He says, I want you to excel in the grace of giving. Grace is something that we can't, that comes freely, that, come, that, that God does because we can't do by ourselves. I think that's the beautiful part of redemption is that the things, the struggles that we have that God knows that we can't overcome by ourselves. And he says, okay, I'll give you a boost. It's called grace. So how do we, how do we, how do we overcome? How do we become free to give? Ask him. Hebrews chapter 4 says, therefore come boldly to the throne of grace. They, uh, you may, to the throne, you may, you, may, you may find mercy and obtain grace to help in the time of need. So I want to pray with you a simple prayer. If you will pray with me, I'm not going to call you out. I'm just going to let's just pray, talk to God for 30 seconds. God, we come to you this morning in Jesus' name. God, you know our shortcomings, you know our, our, our struggles, but you are, not, you, are not, you are not intimidated by those things. You still love us, and yet you are willing to help. But I pray right now that you would release grace 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 to be to release grace to be faithful grace to give grace to honor grace grace to be honored, to, to, to be generous with what we have even when it doesn't make sense but i pray right now that there will be a, a ridiculous release of anointing and grace and goodness upon this church i pray that every need that they have will be met in abundance that every dream that jerome and crystal has will be funded in every dream every truck every person every every act of benevolence that they want to do everything that that is in their heart that they haven't even begun to express yet because it's it's so big i just pray that this church will rise up and grow and take steps and manifest and be an example of what can happen when a body of believers just chooses to believe that they are free to give. God, we pray this morning in Jesus' name. Come on, can somebody say amen?
Let's welcome Jerome. Come on, give it up for our pastor this morning. Thank you, Pastor Bodie. Come on, give it up for Pastor Bodie. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Man, you said see God who he is. Two, see myself as a child of a living God. And three, see gift of giving as grace, not as obligation, but as opportunity. What? That's awesome. That's awesome. You know, for us, we have been slowing down to go faster, okay? And the game of life says speed up, get more, achieve more, accomplish, you know, go hard or go home, you know what I mean? Like that kind of go big, 365, seven days a week, hashtag no days off, you know what I'm saying? And, um, but at some point, yeah, yeah, like a lot of us, we need to for sure here, you know, work hard and some of us in the room, man, we're super lazy. You know, if we had to give accountability to our time clock or even at our job, like we're professional at creating, you know, like slacker moments. And, and, and God wants to challenge us for sure, but it always is coming out of this posture of freedom. That's what's so neat. It's always coming out of this posture of passion. It's always coming out of this posture of grace. It's coming out of, like, look, look at me. I want to give everything of me to you. Look at how I operate. And, 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 then, and then just follow suit. And if you see kids that love their parents, oftentimes they take on the same profession. Has anybody ever noticed that? They do the same thing their parents did. They want to be just like them. They want to be just like them. We have a dad who's a very lavish, generous giver. He loves us so much that he gave his only son that whoever believes in him will not perish but have everlasting life. And so when we're talking about giving money or like even seeing money clearly or how to handle debt or how to get a job or how to work and all that, it comes with a mindset first that we got a really big God and he's bigger than an elephant and he can't be contained, he can't be tamed. He's the only thing that will satisfy winning the game that's going on in our hearts. So I don't know where you're at, but let's close and let's worship. Let's worship in a way that we say, God, all of the false lies, all of the false enemies, tricks, all of the nonsense that say, I don't have, I need more shoes, I need more this, I need more. God, I say, you're enough. You're the only one that fills me up. Nothing will fill me up. Let's worship. Let's give it all to you. Thanks for listening to the City Life Lansing podcast. Loving you and loving the city one life at a time. For more information, messages, and to partner financially, go to citylifelansing.com. You belong here.